Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh, guys, um, we are brought here tonight by MyBookie.com. We are also brought to you tonight by Swap.com. It is your pregame tailgate edition. Uh, guys, Cleveland Browns headed down to Tampa Bay. Uh, better climate, better weather. Uh, Going to be an interesting ball game. Uh, each team here, uh, you know, obviously really wants a win. So it's going to be interesting how that all plays out. Uh, a lot of factors here going into what's going on in Tampa. A lot of factors going in here, what's going on with our Browns, guys. Uh, I went out and dug up a guest here for this evening. And first off, about 2014, back in the days of Google Hangouts and all that good stuff, uh, he had me on, and this was probably one of the first appearances I ever did, you know, in something of this n- nature. And I am thankful for that. But uh, he does a fantastic job with the draft wire. Does a fantastic job with the Bucks wire. Mr. Luke Easterling joining us here this evening. Luke, buddy, first off, it's been too long. Second off, how is everything going? It has been too long, man. I can't believe you dug up the old draft report Google Hangout days, man. That's uh, It feels like it was longer ago than you just said, but uh, those were definitely some, uh, some fun days. And, you know, you say we have better weather down here, man. We're averaging like 95 a day. So come down here and, and see 95 a day for a few years and tell me how much better you actually like it. Um, I, my knees will feel better. My back will feel better. My neck will feel better. There's that. Yeah. So, I mean, look, I, I, I'd rather just say, okay, I'm going to sweat a little bit as opposed to how many layers do I have to put on today? Uh, actually, Luke, I, Luke, I dug up some names. Part of that was, uh, Teron Davenport doing pretty well for himself. Part of that, Kyle Krabs doing pretty well for himself. Shane Alexander. Uh, I also think maybe Joe Marino was part of that. So, not, not, a, not a bad little class. I think everybody's kind of on gone on to some good things from those days. But, uh, you know, I always... I mean, we had quite a motley crew back then, but everybody seems to be uh, doing well. Brian Perez was in there, too. Uh, oh, that's some right. Wire guys that's that, right. that we do uh, on the wire sites now. Toronto's with us now. He's on the big four-letter. And, yeah, man, it's crazy to see how how how, how high everybody can, can, uh, can fly in just a short amount of time. Well, and the other thing is, is look, I mean, you know, you work hard, find your niche, and you see what sticks with you. I mean, you know, everybody's road different. You know, Tehran, obviously, now, you know, in Nashville covering the Titans. Me, an opportunity like this came along to cover a team that is, you know, desperately needed to be rebuilt. And I've always loved the draft process and the team building process. And this is kind of how, you know, everybody ends up where they're at. But we do have a ball game to talk about here, Luke. Uh, We're going into this here Sunday. Um, first thing I do when I want to have somebody on for the tailgate, obviously, you know, you know, basically talking from the other side, what are your thoughts now on the Cleveland Browns? Um, you know, we're excited about it. You know, look, there's still a ton of work to be done, but the fact that it isn't even Halloween yet and there's two wins in the barn already, it's good. Um, I almost went a full calendar year covering this team on the show without talking about one win. Thank God for that Thursday night game because I actually made it two days shy of 365 of a full year. But uh, give me some thoughts here. Obviously, you know, uh, you, Bucks guy, living where you live. Uh, Cleveland Browns are coming to town. W- what's the initial thought? How's everybody feeling? Well, I mean, first of all, in terms of the Browns, obviously me being a draft guy, first and foremost, the team building part of what they've been working on is, is fascinating to me. I mean, for better or for worse, obviously it hasn't been much fun for Browns fans, but what team has been more relevant uh, around draft time than Cleveland exactly. over the last couple of years? So. Um, obviously, that means on the field you're not getting a whole lot done. But what it does mean is that now you're starting to see the fruit of that, you know, that massive rebuild and the stocking up of the draft picks, uh, and just a flurry of moves that we've seen over the past two years. Um, that roster has been completely rebuilt. 
uh, and you're starting to see some of the again some of some of that come to fruition. You see a, a, te- a roster top to bottom that's just loaded with young talent. They brought in some key veteran presence, you know, guys Jarvis Landry, Tyrod Taylor, those kind of guys uh, to kind of provide that leadership. But um, you know, they, they're building something special if they can get. Um, what they expect out of some of these players at key positions. Obviously, it starts with Baker Mayfield uh, in the offense. But, I mean, it's it's really hard to look up and down this roster, uh, at least on paper, and see what they did in the draft the last few years. Look at the raw talent they've amassed on both sides of the ball. It's hard to look at that and not be excited, in my opinion, if you're a Browns fan. Yeah, I, I think that's a thing. And, um, you know, I was actually talking, uh, I was doing another show earlier tonight, and it was like, oh, well, you know, it seems like the Browns don't have a lot of depth. Well, you turned over 31 of the 53 from last year. What you're trying to chase is you're trying to get those first 30, 35 guys in. And everybody, you know, averages maybe a turnover of, you know, 10 to 12 to 15. So, But now when you're going to go shopping this year for groceries, it's not going to be, you're not going to be buying the turkeys. You're not going to be buying the steak. It's more of a, we need a little extra butter. Maybe we need some condiments, that type of thing. So, you know, look, that stuff will come. And look, there's no way you're going to fix a team in one year anyway. But, you know, it's nice to see that, oh, well, there's depth here. There's depth here. There's depth here. And, you know, right now we're dealing with some injuries. But when you look at it, and oh, oh well, five linebackers deep. And, oh, you know, the D-line, six, seven. And the secondary, oh. You know, I mean, granted, once every team gets decimated and, and you lose two to three guys at one spot, it's going to be a big need because you only have a 53-man roster. But overall, you know, the roster depth, and I love the fact that this nucleus is pretty much 25 and younger, and they all kind of seem to be on the same page, and they're not around long enough to, you know, where Joe Thomas was, you know, the staple of great guy, always played for a crappy team. These guys don't really know it like that, and so and they're not really carrying themselves like that. Uh, I do want to get here to us uh, some other questions. Luke, um, defensive coordinator changed this week. Uh, obviously, Tampa Bay's defense has been a mess to this point. Is there a good point to this defense, or is it just overall they're kind of struggling with every aspect of it? Yeah, I think it's a perfect storm. I mean, listen, when you make an in-season move like this, even when you make moves in the off-season, it's rarely that one guy's fault. You know what I mean? It's just the, the you know when a head coach gets fired, you know it's the team effort, the ultimate team sport. You know when a defensive coordinator gets fired in season, you know that's it's not just his fault, but he's the domino that has to fall. Unfortunately, you can't fire the whole defensive you know roster. But you can try and make a move when this, you know, when you're desperate for something like that. Uh, and this defense has been so bad, uh, really for a year and a half. But I mean, uh, bad in at historic levels so far in 2018. And and you know, you know, for the Bucks, they have the best offense they've ever had in in 40 plus years as a franchise in the NFL. So, you know, unfortunately, what what their defense is doing right now is wasting uh, one of the most explosive offenses in in all of football, in my opinion. So. Mike Smith, is it all his fault? Obviously not, um, but you know something had to give, and, and that's a move that they, they had to make. And you know you have to make it with a guy like Dirk Cutter, who um, coached for Mike Smith. Um, you know They're really kind of a mentor, a best friends kind of situation, very, very close. You know For him to make that kind of move to somebody he's very close to, it just shows you how dire things have been for this defense. Um, and you know in terms of you know, where they go from here, you know, this is not a unit that's without talent. You know, injuries, they, they, they have not, they don't have enough depth, particularly in the secondary. That's where they were weakest, that's where they were thinnest, and that's where they've had 
unfortunately, the most injuries so far this season. Lost Vernon Hargraves for God knows how long. Uh, he's on injured reserve at the moment. Could come back at some point. Um, they spent two first round, two second round picks. Sorry on on corners and MJ Stewart uh, and Carlton Davis. Those guys have both been off and on injured. Um, you know, spent a fourth rounder on Jordan Whitehead, who's been forced into starting uh, as a rookie, even as a fourth round pick. Um, and he's been injured. I mean, you know, it's just, you know, one thing after another, Brent Grimes hasn't been 100%. There's just so many things going wrong with a team that, you know, did spend the entire offseason trading and signing and drafting guys to to rebuild that defense. But, you know, there's still just not enough depth uh, to deal with those injuries. And, again, unfortunately, Mike Smith is the fall guy for that. And, and, you know, he does obviously bear some responsibility as far as, uh, you know, scheme and those sorts of things. It it got, you know, the, the defense got boring. You know, it just didn't seem like it. Again, it was a perfect storm. You know, does the execution need to improve? Absolutely. Um, But this is the kind of move that says to the rest of the defense, hey, you know, if you're not going to get the job done, we're going to find somebody who will. Uh, And, you know, hopefully that, you know, for Bucks fans, they're hoping that starts this week against Cleveland at home. Yeah, I mean, well, that's the thing. And like you said, you cannot fire your defense. You cannot change everybody midseason. So, look, if the defensive coordinator's got to lose his head, what comes next? It comes your job, and it may not be your job anymore. We will find somebody else to do your job. Uh, Carlton Davis, I know he's been banged up a little bit, but he was one of my draft favorites, and he was one of the guys here that me and a lot of the guys, Brown-wise, wanted. On field, how's he been so far? I think he's been as advertised. I mean, I think what you saw at Auburn uh, was a guy that you know wasn't the most consistent guy in the world, isn't the fastest guy in the world, but honestly reminded me as a prospect a lot of uh, a lot of like Richard Richard Sherman uh, a guy that's going to win with his intelligence his physicality that size those long arms and that you know um, you know punch you in the mouth kind of attitude um, I think part of the problem is again Mike Smith's scheme is, is not a scheme that puts a premium on on press coverage and putting people in front of receivers faces and uh, and using that so um, you know, Mark Duffner, who's a linebackers coach, he's going to take over as the interim defensive coordinator. And I, I really hope and I would like to see, um, you know, he talked about, you know, uh, I could say he talked in his press conferences about how aggressive he wants the defense to be. But the last defensive coordinator uh, that had a press conference where he didn't say that, I, I don't know where that exactly. would be because they all always say that. So, you know, I believe it when I see it in terms of aggression, but that's something I want to see. I want to see Carlton Davis used. Uh, to the best of his ability, and that means using those long arms and press coverage, getting up in guys' faces and, and frustrating them, rerouting them at the line. So uh, I really just don't think he's been unleashed adequately just yet. And again, like you, you know, like we talked about earlier, he hasn't been 100% health-wise either. So I was thrilled to see them get him in the late second round, thought that he was worthy of maybe sneaking into the bottom of the first round compared to some of the corners in this class. Um, so I really think the Bucks have something special if he can stay healthy. And again, if they can you know, schematically use him to his best ability. Yeah, I think he I think he just gives you some of that dog, and he has no problem getting into the fights within the first five yards. And, you know, I think nowadays with the way these offenses are and everything is so spread out, you know, I, I think I want to look a little bit more traditional at the cornerback position where a guy is going to fight tooth and nail because he knows, you know, if you get to your, you know, fourth, fifth step and you break, you know, then it's chase, and you know anything can happen at that point. And that's what I liked about Carlton Davis was is I'm not going to let you get to that breaking point. I'm hopefully going to try and stop it before you get to it. 
Um, ever since I've taken over this show, a lot of people always ask for betting advice. Whether, you know, which, you know, look, I'll give you my opinion, guys, but at the end of the day, you're making the bet. What I can tell you is who you're betting uh, with is more important than who you're betting on. That's why I always suggest mybookie.com. Um, they've been in business for years. They have great online reviews. Their mobile site is simple, clean, easy to use. I would only recommend a service to you, my listeners, that have been good to me in the past. I don't make a lot of bets, but if I'm going to, I will use mybookie.com. That's why you look. You win, they pay. It is that simple. They have uh, in-game, live betting, over-unders on fantasy points scored, and the most rewarding player perks in the business. My bookie right now is currently slammed with a bunch of prospective new members. If you create your account after 7 p.m. Eastern time, they will give you a free $25. This goes along with the same MyBookie.com deal. Your initial deposit, they will match 100%. So just do the math, guys. 50 bucks, they'll give you 50 bucks of their money. Do it after 7 p.m. Eastern. You get another 25. You got $125 to play with, 75 of it, which is not your own. Uh, new promo code with this, guys. Uh, Locked on 25, capital L, capital O. Locked on 25. Visit MyBookie online today. MyBookie.com. M Y B O O K I E.com. You play, you win, you get paid. Now, Luke, Jameis Winston, year four. Um, a lot of the same issues from Florida State as far as the player off the field are still here. They're still hanging around. Um, I know there's been some people trying to put a bus label on him. You cannot do that. You cannot put a bus label on him. But where is Jameis at year four? Is there a future here in Tampa? Because I think they like the guy. I think they like the player. I think they are somewhat leery of the person and the fact that he sometimes gets himself in the wrong end and gets himself in some really bad situations. But is Jameis Winston, is you know the flag planted? Is he going to be here in Tampa long term? I definitely think if we you kind of read the writing on the wall and see what the, the team has been doing and how the team has been treating him uh, both on the field and in terms of, you know, PR, because I really think that tells a lot about what the, you know, the direction and the plan is when it, with a quarterback. I, I think that he's definitely still the guy. I mean, again, regardless of anybody's opinion, if we're going to talk just about how the team feels and we're going to look at how that's reflected, uh, I mean, they have wasted no time making him the face of the franchise again you know look at the team's social media accounts and the you know the little videos and the cut things that they're doing and all the you know he's front and center and all that stuff again as soon as he got back from that uh suspension so it it definitely you know there's been nothing that the team has done again as soon as they had the chance um against chicago in week four after winston had come back obviously you start ryan fitzpatrick because it's a short week you're coming off monday night you know, that move made sense to not start Jameis right away, but when they went down 35-3 to at halftime, you know, they, he was in the game right there for the second half, and, and going into the bye week, he's coming out as the starter, it's no question. So the way they have um, made their moves and, and treated his return from that suspension, every single step of the way so far, it's screaming to me that Jameis Winston is still going to be the franchise quarterback in Tampa Bay. Uh, they've already picked up his option for next year which obviously is only guaranteed for injury, but that's at $21 million. Uh, you know, if that's the plan to move forward, that, that tells me that they're going to be prepared to, to give him a long-term extension. And again, they, they don't have any illusions about the kind of player that he's been. He's the same player he was at Florida State. You know that very well. You know, it, He's going to be a guy that's going to make mistakes. He's going to make turnovers. He's going to make frustrating plays down the field because, A, 
it's his mentality. He's a big play kind of guy, and that's what he wants. And B, you know, his his deep ball accuracy is not the best, so it's going to bite him sometimes. But his mentality is going to push the ball down the field, and he's going to make more plays in the positive than he makes in the negative. And you're just going to have to be okay with that. The Bucks knew that when they took him. Okay, if they wanted to play it safe and they wanted a, a different kind of guy, they would have taken Marcus Mariota instead. Nothing has changed about that, in my opinion, as far as the you know the player is concerned. And I think the team is is still getting exactly what they expected. And I think that's going to be the move going forward. Yeah, and look, I mean, for anybody who wants to revisit that now, look, I mean, if you want to use Jameis Winston's off-field against him, you know, then just go ahead because that's the way you're going to do it. But if you're going to view who's been the better quarterback to this point now that we're in year four, it's been Jameis Winston. Look, I mean, you know, every team has other holes, but, you know, two 4,000-yard seasons, you know, year one and year two, you know, last year obviously a little most time, which cost him those numbers. But, you know, Jameis Winston's got it. I think everything about it is you love the football player. You love the guy. You love the fact that what he'll do to the, for the community, it's just every now and then it's like, ah, oh, Jameis, just, just don't do that. And this is what went on at Florida State, too. And it's, you know, and it's not condoning it by any means because, you know, and, and to play off what's gone on. But it's just settle down, bro. It, it, it's just, you know, the young stuff is way in the past. You know, and if I would would, would kind of describe it, and I don't, I don't want to put it on the same level, but it's almost kind of like Ben Roth, Ben Roethlisberger, like where it's like, dude, the frat boy life, the the college life, it's over. You're a grown man now. You know, go ahead, do what's right, and just that type of stuff. And it's it, and it's tough. Now, Luke, I'm going to give you this one here, and this is also you know, buck guy wise, also draft wise. Ronald Jones, uh, I, I was a big fan. A lot of people were big fans. What in the world is going on, Luke? I, you know, I think it's a couple things. I think, first of all, people really underestimate how effective Peyton Barber has been and continues to be as a running back. Um, Matt, a Matt Walden favorite? A Matt Walden favorite? Turn yeah, everybody you know, on to him. But, I mean, no, he is definitely, like, he, he's, <laughs> the, he's the hammer running back. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, you know, and, and early in the season, I mean, obviously, people made – I don't talk to me about preseason, first of all. I mean, for many reasons, whether it's a positive performance, a negative performance, it always regresses, you know, to, to, to the middle. So, you know, the fact that he was so, you know, that struggled so hard in, in preseason to get anything going, that didn't bother me. Um, the fact that he was, you know, a healthy scratch for the first three games of his career, you know, that started to make people wonder, like, you know, what's going on here? But, if you look a little more closely, you know, Peyton Barber's going to be your bell cow, you know, for the most part while you're getting your rookie acclimated. And Ronald Jones isn't going to give you any kind of special teams, you know, reps. Uh, they already had an experienced third down back into Quiz Rogers who knew the offense. You got a rookie in Sean Wilson who's an undrafted free agent. People wondered why is he active as the running back? He was the kick returner. You're not going to put your second round pick necessarily back there to return kicks. So, you know, those first three weeks, him being inactive was less about his ineffectiveness and more about. You know, him being a rookie that you're not going to put out on, you know, coverage units and that sort of thing. Uh, you know, so they're, they're taking it slow with him. You know, they, you're not going to spend a top 40 pick on a guy uh, if you don't have a, a plan and high expectations for him. I just think at this point, you know, obviously it's tough for some people to look and see, you know, rookies across the league making immediate impacts. You know, go to, go to a guy like Kareem Hunt last year as a third-round pick, and he ends up being such a, you know, a huge success right away. There's just so many variables that go into these situations that people need to be patient. That's why you got to wait two or three years to, to really, uh, you know, kind of pass judgment on a pick. I understand the impatience. Uh, you know, a lot of it, I think, is driven by fantasy football. If you're, 
you know, someone who looked at the Bucks as a team who needed a guy like that and thought he was going to take over. You know, the yep. people like that, I, I really think that just didn't pay attention to how effective and how much Peyton Barber was going to be relied on to be kind of the, the focal point of that rushing attack. So Ronald Jones is going to get his. He's a big play, explosive guy. When, when he breaks out, we're all going to know. Um, people just really need to be patient about it. It's actually kind of funny the way you brought up the thing with the special teams aspect because a lot of people are giving Nick Chubb a hard time over a missed block where he was playing up back on the punt team. And for me, it was, well, guys, this is not what you're asking him to do. When you draft a running back within the top 50, you don't want to critique their special teams play because that was never the goal. That is not what you asked of them. So, uh, but it just seems tough, uh, you know. And Ronald Jones, it, it seems like there were some rumors late in the draft process on him. But, uh, you know, the game and, you know, the, you know, the tape and the player that he was, it, it seemed like it was something that was really good. And, I, I, you know, I hope this week isn't the week that he breaks out. But if he wants to break out, go ahead. You know, week eight, moving on forward. That's certainly okay with me, Luke. Um, <laughs> Luke's going to learn about this. I am already learning about this. But, um, guys, uh, as far as, you know, being parents, um, it's crazy. We spend a lot of money for brand name clothes for these kids. Biggest issue we have when we buy these new clothes for kids is, well, I just bought you a hooded sweatshirt and you do not fit in it within three months. Well, here's a way to fix it, guys. It'd be great if there was a place to discover awesome discounts on gently used clothes. There is. It's called Swap.com, the world's largest online consignment shop and thrift store. Uh, stop driving to the mall. Stop driving to the outlets. Sift easily through their website and find millions of clothes in seconds on Swap.com with easy-to-use filters, size, may, uh, size, uh, you know, who, who uh, you know, size, brand name, things of that nature. Over 14 million tons of textiles are wasted each year. Shopping secondhand at Swap.com helps prevent textile waste from polluting the environment, which is something you can feel good about while you're saving money. Swap.com is the world's largest online consignment and thrift store. With Swap.com, you can save up to 90% off retail prices on your favorite brands. Like, you know, whether it's Carter's, whether it's Nike, whether it's J. Crew, whether it's Gap, quality hand-inspected items are added daily to the site. If something doesn't fit, enjoy a simple, hassle-free return policy. Special offer for all my Lockdown listeners. Get 35% off our select, uh, select items on Swap.com for your first order with a promo code LOCKEDON. Plus, find new deals every day on Swap.com's homepage. Guys, trust me, it's been a godsend this part. Uh, these kids grow. Uh, my oldest grows like a weed. Whatever we buy in September does not fit her in February. It may be something you guys want to check out. Now, Luke, uh, the receiving options in Tampa, it's, it's a big, huge, burgeoning plant. There are a million of them. Obviously, you know, it kind of, you know, the sun kind of sets and rises with Mike Evans, but everybody else has found their way to eat and all quality guys. Um, OJ Howard, uh, I mean, they, they found a way to get him a little bit you know, more involved this year. Um, give me some talk here on the rest of these guys because it, it, it's a solid group. And whether it was the Raider game, whether it was the Charger game, the Browns right now, due to injury and due to the fact I think they're a little bit gassed as much as they played the first five weeks, three games in overtime. There's a lot of talent here in this receiving core, and go ahead and give some talk on some of these guys. 
Yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's a unique group for fantasy owners because you never know who's gonna eat. You know, you never who's gonna know who's gonna get. You know, there's only so many targets to go around. I think uh, fantasy owners kind of enjoy the Bucks defense being so bad because then you have to kind of spread it around and, and there's a lot to go around. So, uh, I mean, all of these guys are uh, guys that I was really high on uh, coming out of the draft. The getting OJ Howard at 19 and then Chris Godwin in the late third round. Uh, of the same draft. I mean, if I was Jameis Winston, I mean, what a draft that was for you, you know, to load up on those kind of weapons. Guys that, you know, I both thought that those were, you know, I thought O.J. Howard was a top five player in that draft. I thought Chris Godwin was a borderline first rounder. Uh, and to get them where they did, I mean, now we're starting to see uh, what that can do for your offense, you know, and, you know, Deshaun Jackson, we, should, we saw what he can still do, uh, particularly over those first two games with how explosive he was. He can still take the top off the defense. My favorite thing about uh, this and I, you know, I took some flack from uh, some Lions fans and some other fans after uh, I think what was it, Peter Schrager from uh, Good Morning Football was like, uh-huh. uh, give me the the Lions receiver trio over anybody ever, period. Uh, and you know, I took issue with even taking them over, you know, any other trio in the NFL right now because I I just feel like the Bucks, you know, particularly the pass catchers as a group, you want to you know even throw the tight ends in there, but those three wide receivers they they're just so complementary in terms of their skill set. You got Evans, who's the big physical guy. You got you know Jackson, who's the smaller, more explosive guy, and Godwin, who I think is somewhere between the two, a very complete player. Um, you know, but throw in the tight ends, I think they have the the, the best one-two tight end tandem in the NFL. And OJ Howard and Cameron Brait. I mean, those five guys, and you got a guy like Adam Humphreys, who you know, yeah, I had a feeling he was going to break out last week. Jameis Winston has great chemistry with him, and he, he definitely did that. But when he's the you know sixth or seventh guy, you know, trying to eat every week in terms of targets. That's a problem that any offensive coordinator or quarterback would love to have. There's just so much talent in that offense. Yeah, and the thing with Humphreys is, like, he's the guy who always does everything right, but, like, you know, everybody else is kind of, like, a little bit higher on the food chain, but there's always, and this was where Jameis was good his first year at Florida State was, I don't care who you are. Um, If you're open, and this is the read, and where I found you, you're going to get it. And this would be seen a little bit with Baker Mayfield, up until this point now where, you know, now he's a rookie and get introduced to, you know, new guys coming in because there's injuries. Um, you know, if Greg, I mean, if, uh, you know, Todd Haley just wants to start playing his better running backs, maybe it would make everybody's life a little easier. But that's a discussion for another day because we've certainly had that discussion. Uh, now the Tampa Bay offensive line, Luke. Um, the Probably the calling card right now here for the Cleveland Browns is the, is the defensive line. Miles Garrett, Larry Ogunjobi. Emmanuel Ogba, um, uh, Gennard Avery, uh, he's been fantastic as a nickel and dime pass rusher. He's going to play Will this week. He's going to go back to a natural linebacker position, which he was familiar with at Memphis. But he'll be up there in you know the pass rushing situations. These guys are good, and they seem to get home a lot. Uh, how's the Tampa Bay old line been, and are, are they ready for a test of you know this nature with guys like this? Yeah, how in the world did you guys get Gennard Avery in the fifth round, by the way? How, well, I mean, that is the biggest NFL mistake going. I, I mean, don't understand it, man. I, I mean, everybody wants to applaud, you know, and, and I love it. You know, everybody, oh, John Dorsey did a great job here. It's more of 31 other GMs did a bad job for like almost a round and a half. Yeah, yeah, I, I think I had him in the, in the third round. I don't understand how he got that far, but we're finding out why. And, uh, you know, as long as he, like you said, uh, with the Ronald Jones thing, he can wait a week uh, to keep the, the breakout going. But uh, <laughs> you guys definitely got a steal there. But, you know, I, if I'm Cleveland, what I'm looking at is, 
Uh, Donovan Smith, who's a left tackle in Tampa Bay, uh, might be the most underrated uh, offensive tackle in the entire NFL. He came in. I was not really happy with the pick when they made it. I thought he was probably going to end up at guard. Um, had a fourth-round grade on him. They took him at 34, and all he's done since then is start every single game, all 53 of them, uh, and get you know a lot better uh, with every year, and he's going to get paid accordingly, I think, very soon. So um, everybody else, Ali Marpet just yep. got paid at guard. Um, Ryan Jensen has been a fantastic addition in terms of play, but also in terms of personality. I love having that enforcer, that goon type of guy who's not afraid to Maybe take it a little too far and get a penalty every now and then, but he's uh, he's not going to get pushed around, and that kind of mentality is important up front. The problem comes on the right side of the offensive line, man. When you're talking about Caleb Benenock, uh Alex Kappa, who's a, a rookie that has been inactive for uh, much of the year, uh, Evan Smith, who's more of a backup guy, but because of his veteran you know experience, is you know getting rotated in at guard, and Demar Dotson, who's a solid tackle when healthy, but that you know that's a big win. It doesn't happen very often where he's at 100% playing at his best. So uh, if I'm Cleveland, I'm loading up that right side of the line. Um, for some reason, the Bucks still run to the right way more than they should uh, in terms of effectiveness because of the blocking over there. That's where I'm trying to attack uh, if I'm that Cleveland D-line. Yeah, I mean, and, and they're, they're a good group that way. But look, we're going to be down here. We're going to be down two corners. We are going to be down... Uh, you know, uh, Joe Schobert, who's done a fantastic job here at middle linebacker, and he's been very impressive in coverage because Joe Schobert plays, he will do everything you tell him to do. And he basically walks the tight end, or he'll walk the running back, back to the second coverage behind him. And it's going to be interesting how they cover that, look, whether they use a Jabril Peppers or a Derek Kindred in the nickel and dime in that aspect. It's something they should do. But Greg Williams is not a guy who's ever going to deviate from the norm. So <laughs> it, it's going to be interesting how that plays out. And it's the same thing to deal with offensively because, you know, Todd Haley kind of, I mean, last week was dealt a major blow when he lost a wide receiver he had a lot of faith in. And Derek Willies on Friday with a broken collarbone, you think he'd, adjust, you know, flip the script a little bit and say, all right, we're going to get the backs a little more involved. We'll get, you know, the rest of the tight end core a little involved. But no. He just went with his fifth and sixth wide receivers and tried to force feed him balls. And everybody's like, oh, well, these guys are dropping balls. Well, they're rookies. They haven't played a ton, and this is what rookies do. So just, I mean, it's a great recipe for what's going to happen on Sunday Um, because it could be a 38-35 game or it could be a 16-13 game. But give me some thoughts here on how you think this is going to play out on Sunday, Luke. Yeah, I think I'm I'm banking on a shootout right now. I have. I don't think there's much faith in either defenses right now. No, there's really not. I think that you know it's going to come down to can the Bucks stop uh, that pass rush? Can they get the job done enough up front to give Winston time to take advantage of those weapons? Uh, again, Denzel Ward can only guard one guy, so uh, <laughs> you know there, there's going to be plenty of opportunities. I think down the field, is he going to have time to to take advantage of them? If he is. You know, I think this is definitely a prime opportunity for Baker Mayfield to have the kind of game uh, that reminds you why he's a, a number one pick. This is a defense that makes every opposing quarterback uh, look like uh, a Hall of Famer. Mitch Trubisky had two touchdown passes in his first three games. He had five in the first half against Tampa Bay. So um, everything is pointing towards this being a 38-35 type of game, which, you know, if, if my luck, uh, you know, in terms of uh, banking on those sorts of things and making bets or whatever it is, uh, that means we'll get a 16-13 because that's just the way my life works. 
Um, I do agree. Um, and the thing um, which has been most impressive with Baker Mayfield is is he's carried himself this week with the – he's always 110%. But, like, this week he's aggravated. And he's, you know, like he, he's mad. And, like, he knows he didn't do enough last week. And he did – and look, and Baker did have a bad day. There were some easy throws that he did not choose to, you know, move the chain throws. And, you know, this is something that Baker's going to have to learn, you know, coming from the success he had in college where, like, he could basically do what he wanted. The NFL, it doesn't work that way. You know, sometimes you got to take the nickel and dime throws just to keep the chains moving, keep drives moving. And it's going to be interesting to see what Baker plays into this because the simpler throws are going to be his friend. I think Damian Ratley is a guy who could show up this week with a big game because I think he's a bigger target that I think Baker has faith in. But, Luke, first things first, dude, this was so great catching up, bro. Good time. Hey, absolutely, man. Thanks so much for having me. And, uh, again, uh, let's not wait uh, a few years this time. Okay, well, let's see. I think we'll find find some way to sneak in some draft shows here this year. But, guys, Luke Easterling, uh, you know, follow uh, his team over at the Bucks Wire. Follow his team over at Draft Wire. They do a ton, a ton of work. If you like mock drafts, guys, you know, Cleveland fans, we, we're kind of getting away from that a little bit because, you know, normally, you know, mock draft season starts for us about week two. But, guys, slowly gravitate toward that. Learn the players. Um, start to get a little bit familiar with them. Because uh, either way, it doesn't even matter. Some of these guys are coming. So go ahead and get used to it. Go ahead and follow Luke Easterling, guys. Luke is a great guy, family man, through and through. Bust his butt doing it. And, and guys, look, and he's another guy, like I tell you, like we don't keep, you know, 9 to 5 days. We keep 9 to 10 days. We keep 9 to 11 days. And hopefully we get enough sleep that we can do everything we want to do the next day. Guys, go ahead and follow the show uh, you know, on Twitter, the Locked on Browns Twitter account. I do keep it follow back. You guys are fantastic. I get a bunch of great show ideas from you guys there. Uh, go ahead and follow me personally, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Uh, guys, uh, I guess unless something great comes along here, you know I usually don't record on Friday or Saturday unless something comes along. Uh, we won't talk to you until after uh, the uh, final whistle on Sunday in Tampa. So me and Pete Smith will have the post game for you there. But, um, you know, if that's the case, that's the case. But, uh, as always, let's go Browns, LGB on the LOB.